Hello, everybody. This is Rob Fredette with the podcast HodgePod, and we have uh, special guests today on my podcast, and one is a return special guest. He's been on about, what, six to eight episodes. He did Van Halen. We did a, a rock block of episodes with Van Halen talking about the various albums, and we had a couple of episodes talking about Die Hard, and Sean Donovan joins me today. But, Sean, first of all, welcome, and I do want to say we did try to record this about a month ago, but... Uh, it was uh, operator error on my part, and unfortunately, my microphone was working, but I had you two sounding like you were in a can. So, Sean, welcome, and uh, you're going to introduce our next our next guest. Uh, uh, Rob, uh, can you hear me? <laughs> Rob, I think it's happening again. Rob. No. Just kidding. Hey, everybody. Uh, Rob, thanks for having me back. I enjoy doing these. These are a lot of fun. Yes, and, sir. Um, the guest today, uh, special guy. Good man. I've uh, known him for quite a long time, actually. Actually, all three of us, we'll talk about this in a second, worked at the same place. But uh, I want to introduce Jay Gates. He is a singer, musician, entertainer. I think I want to say impersonator, if that's correct. And also a music teacher. So you are a uh, jack of all trades as far as the entertainment business goes, Jay. So uh, welcome. And I'd like to say... The first question, if that's okay, Rob, I would like to ask, Jay, how did you get started in music? Like, what got you interested in music? Well, first, of, oh my goodness, my voice. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Sean and Rob, and hello, everybody listening to HodgePod. How did I first get interested in music? I'd have to go back to probably uh, third grade or so. Um, my dad took me to see a band that was setting up to play a gig later on that day. And I got to watch them set up the gear and tune up the instruments and set up the lights. And I was just uh, mesmerized by all that stuff. And they finally played a song and I thought that was pretty cool and something that I'd possibly want to do at some point if I could ever figure out how to play an instrument or get in a band. That took a little bit of doing, but I eventually figured that one out. Outstanding. And uh, before we continue with the music stuff, I just think it's funny that all three of us at one point worked for UPS in Chelmsford on the day sort of all of all places. So it's kind of funny how this kind of comes full circle. I'm the only one that was fool foolish enough to stay at UPS. So you guys have gone on to bigger and better and I'm still uh, I'm still busting it for Big Brown. But um, Rob, you want to uh, start them off with some. Uh, some musical questions. Sure thing. So, uh, Jay, you uh, also were in a cover band for Van Halen. That's Sean's and I favorite group. So how did you get into that first question? And the second question is, do you have to, like, get permission to be on a cover band uh, from the group? And how does that work? And uh, what songs did you think about playing when you were doing your, your concerts? Oh, yeah. Well, I first started in the in the tribute world which is a little different than the cover world um, with a band called Diver Down. And uh, that was after I took a hiatus for about five years. They just stopped playing drums in the late nineties and uh, picked it back up. And uh, I figured I was more mature. So I started just playing some steely dance songs. That seemed like the proper thing to do. And within a couple of weeks, I got very bored with that. <laughs> so I figured 
Nothing wrong with Steely Dan. Rick. Nothing, was, nothing. Was, There's nothing wrong. No, no, no. No hate mail, please. Uh, so I figured, well, I love Van Halen. Why don't I just start learning Van Halen songs note for note for no other reason than I want to do it. And I did that for about a year. And then I, I was aware of a band in the New England area called Diver Down. They were around forever. Um, but they had a drummer. And uh, I just kind of stalked them for a couple months <laughs> and trusted them until they uh, agreed to at least give me, just, you know, hear me out, give me an audition. So they did. And uh, we, you know, we clicked right away. I, it was something I was working on for months, maybe a year at that point. So I was definitely prepared. Uh, and then they just needed to figure out a way to, tell their drummer at that time that his services were no longer needed and <laughs> and I was the new guy. Well, Jay, I got to ask you with the, the trying to get into Diver Down, uh, what uh, what song or what uh, what fills did you do? What song did you play along with that uh, that impressed them? Like, what would be your favorite Van Halen song to play, I should ask? Oh, my favorite? Okay. Well, I mean, most drummers love to play Hot for Teacher because it has the cool drum intro right motorcycle, and that nice uh you know that double double bass shuffle um and that was something i worked a lot on that that style of playing even back when i was uh younger and working uh studying at berkeley um triplet bass things and shuffles was something that always interested me so i was always uh practicing that hmm. so that was something i had in my back pocket and uh we hit it off with that but at the audition, I remember I, we played a lot of stuff off of Van Halen 1 just because uh, when I started, that, uh, I just started with one and I think I learned every song on Van Halen 1 note for note. Wow. That is like my yeah. personal favorite. Yeah. My, my personal favorite Van Halen song of all time, as Rob knows, is Unchained. So I want to know what yeah. you think of playing Unchained. Oh my God. That, yeah. I mean, Unchained came out when I was 15 years old. I bought it on eight track. I would, <laughs> <laughs> I would turn it on in my bedroom, crank it, and then somehow figure out a way so I could hang out on the roof and <laughs> hang out there and listen to it. I mean, I think I spent the whole summer of 1981 doing that until I saw Van Halen on July 14th, 1981 at the Pittsburgh Civic Arena. And it blew my mind, and you know, Unchained was back then. It was a, uh, it was an encore. It wasn't the first song of that sort. Well, yeah, that's a great song. Sean's favorite song oh, wow. is uh, Unchained. Mine is my all-time favorite song is Jamie's Crying. I love the drums in that one. Um, oh, yeah. how, how hard was it to play? That is that seem like an easy song to play? It seems. Uh, I just love the rhythm. I know nothing about chords, music, melody. I, I don't know anything about that, but I just know it has great rhythm and great. Um, pace and I just love the way that he Alex Van Halen did those drums oh yeah I mean it's a great song you know like you said it's kind of easy but if you don't know what you're doing it's easy to mess it up too so <laughs> right uh, I mean I, I don't know about I don't know about you guys but I've heard a lot of Van Halen tribute bands and I've heard plenty of them that that shouldn't be doing that <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, there's unfortunately a lot of that going around, but uh, yeah. I, I I enjoy <laughs> live music. I, I love going to see bands play or a solo artist or whatever it may be. And I got to oh, yeah. tell you, if you, I give all the credit and respect to anyone who has the guts to get up and go on stage in front of a bunch of strangers and play anything, let alone, you know, like complicated songs or whatever, you know, I think that's just, uh, I think that's fantastic. And uh, I want to cut into a real quick comment. Uh, my wife and I had just seen uh, the Aussie Osborne tribute band, uh, Blizzard of Oz. And before that opening for them, they were amazing, by the way, if you get a chance, guys, go see Blizzard of Oz. It'll blow you away. Jay, you'll love it. I mean, the drummer, right. the guitarist is phenomenal, but anyway, better be that, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> apparently Randy Rhodes' brother had seen this kid play and was blown away and said mm. he was amazing. So, But the opening act was a Deep Purple cover band. And uh, for the life of me, I can't remember the name. But uh, the guitarist, I believe, was in your band, one of your previous bands, I believe. Yeah, Joe Stump. That's uh, him. He's one of the things he does now is the Stormbringer uh, Deep Purple tribute. And those guys really nail that stuff. And that's yeah. funny. Um, and yeah, back in uh, the late eighties, we started a, a hair metal band called trash Broadway. And that's back in the UPS days. <laughs> <laughs> but all three of us were at UPS. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, we put out a, one album on an independent label in 1989. It finally came out and, yeah, you know, did some some regional gigging, but it never really took off. Uh, and then in 91, I joined a band called Nevada Beach, which was uh, on the Headbangers Ball, which on Saturday nights on MTV, they would play all these hair metal uh, bands. And uh, I, I remember seeing Nevada Beach, some guys that we kind of sort of knew from New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And uh, then eventually they let go of the rhythm section and uh, somehow I got an audition with them and joined. But don't forget, it was also 1991. And that's the year that Nirvana and grunge hit. So, uh, Yuck. yeah. <laughs> Man, they, that messed the up a lot. Any worse. <laughs> Man, that messed up heavy right. metal. My goodness. Yeah, they, uh, they took the world by storm in 91, but... Uh... Yeah. Diver Down, that's the perfect tribute band name for Van Halen. Diver Down. I couldn't think of another one maybe. That's the that that's the perfect name for a Van Halen tribute band. I love that name. Oh, actually, yeah. I, actually I got one for you guys. There's another band out now called Romeo Delight. That's good. Yeah, I saw it on uh, I don't know where I saw it, but I haven't seen them, but I saw it advertised somewhere. No, that's, but, a tough uh, one. that's a tough song to play, right? Oh yeah. I, when I would see that one coming up in the set list, it'd be like, okay, I really have to just hunker down and focus and play this the best I can. Cause they is really it just, uh, the fast rhythm. Is it just a fast playing on the hi-hat or is it just it's fast? And there's a lot of little intricate things that, uh, that Alex did, uh, back in, uh, yeah. For Van Halen two and women and children first, I really think he was on his game back then. I mean, you know, good shape. They were. They had a couple tours under their belt at that point, and uh, plus all the years they had been working together before that. And uh, yeah, he was playing some stuff. Yeah, he's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. He kind of reminds me of uh, who's the guy from the Who? 
He's Moon? Yeah, Alex kind of, he's like, he just bashes on him, you know what I mean? He's got, I mean, he's got great rhythm and all these little things, and it's just, but he just, he just destroys those things. Oh, yeah, Alex was the whole, was, was the whole deal. I hope we get to hear from him again at some point. That would be nice. I know Rob is just itching to keep talking Van Halen because that's his favorite band too. But <laughs> let's, uh, yeah, let's keep let's Van keep Halen all day. Keep the Van Halen stuff going, Rob. I think uh, their, their early stuff was really off off the chain, and it was really awesome. And then when you get to Diver Down, they did a lot of covers. Yes, they were worn out. Uh, Sean and I had talked about that. They were kind of worn out from their days of all that touring. I mean, literally, they would get off the road and start recording again. And then 1984 came where they hit superstardom with, uh, you know, all the great songs, Hot for Teacher, Jump, I'll Wait. I know I'm missing another one. Panama, of course, Panama. how could I miss that? But, yeah, that was uh, 1984. That really uh, supplanted them into, like, rock folklore and I still think they're probably one of the top 10 bands, rock bands of all time, just just how they took the world by storm in 78. What do you think, Jay? Oh, yeah. We're, yeah. I, I mean, it's been a, a bunch of years since 1984, and we're never going to see something like that again. I mean, even when they kind of got together in 2015, and I forget what other year that was, uh, when they had uh, Ed's son playing bass. I mean, you know, it was good to see it, but it wasn't the same. I mean, that was real magic. You had all the elements there. Just, you know, great music, great musicians, great songs, killer front man. Great videos. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Jay, you saw them in 1981, you said, first, right? Yeah. Yeah, the first time I saw them was on the 1984 tour down in Rhode Island. All right, yeah. Yeah, that was fantastic, and I've seen them. I think a total of eight times altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw them all with Sammy, obviously. And then once even with Gary Sharon with Van Halen yes. three. <laughs> and uh, they played a lot of old Van Halen songs. As a matter of fact, that night they played Romeo delight. Um, yeah. But, uh, and then seeing them back with uh, David Lee Roth later in, in uh, Manchester, in, uh, New Hampshire at the snoo arena. And uh, they did all the, the older stuff, but they started kind of like what you said when you rehearsed with Diver Down uh, or you were trying out for Diver Down auditioning and uh, you started with Van Halen, like Van Halen 1. They did all the songs kind of in order of album. It was funny. You know, they do like Running With The Devil, You Really Got Me, Ain't Talking About Love, you know, Jamie's Crying, then they do Dance The Night Away and they did them in kind of order of album, so it was kind of funny. I didn't, I never knew that. Just that, I don't know if it was just that tour or whatever, but I just... I just remember them doing it in, in like order of album, which it didn't bother me. I love them all anyway. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I always heard that Gary kind of had a hand in picking uh, some songs that we hadn't heard for a bunch of years because Sammy would only allow four uh, Dave era songs. So, uh, really, I, I never had... knew that. That's a good little tidbit of information. Only four. What were the four? Do you not? Do you remember the four? Uh, I would guess jump. Yep, jump. <laughs> Panama, Panama. Huh. You really got me. They played a lot. They played. You really got me a lot. And uh, ain't talking about love. Yeah, probably it. Yeah. There you go. Hey, hey, hey. You know, come to think about that, Sean. You know, when we were doing the uh, our episodes there, we went over the set list from like the all like the different tours that they had, and I remember. We did the what uh, fifty one fifty and OU one eight one two. 
that stretch right there. And uh, they had like two or three songs, yeah, from the David Lee Roth era. And one of them was uh, You Really Got Me as well. But, yeah, um, yeah, they they had those. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they just like, it's like I think we even talked about it. Like David Lee Roth was just not even in the equation back then after he left the band. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, <clears throat> Sammy, I think, has a, a better singing voice, like sounding stronger better voice but david lee roth was perfect for van halen like as far as the front man goes like there's no you can't if you said pick one or the other front man and all that you got to go with david lee roth i mean sammy sammy can sing and he can still sing because i saw him a couple of years ago the guy's like 70 years old and doing shots at tequila and <laughs> belting him out you know so he's still the guy's amazing Pipe. yeah <clears throat> you know nothing to take away from sammy at all no. but uh it was a, it was a little different. I mean, they grew like the the band matured or whatever. The sound matured, I guess, but it definitely wasn't the same as you know the first uh, first six albums. But just man, as long as they started doing uh, Steely Dan covers, were okay, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. With a little, uh, you, know, you could dress them up with some heavy rhythm guitar, maybe. I'm only kidding. Um, but uh, Jay, uh, you know the other things that you do, and you so you uh, you know learned learned the drums um and then going on to uh um after you you gave up the drums didn't you after a while and concentrated on your uh, the, the new gig where you're at now where you do uh you perform and sing uh this is quite a spectrum of 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 people of uh musical people Barry Manilow Eddie Money and Rod Stewart is that correct that is correct. Yeah. Wow! Holy, holy smokes! And I know, I know. At some point, Rob definitely has a uh, an amusing Barry Manilow oh. quip for you. But well, uh, yes, you started like, how did you get into doing all three of those, or any one of them first? Like, which one did, came to you first? Did someone just say, "Hey, you look like Rod Stewart," or did something? What? What? How did you get into that? Well, kind of. Yeah, uh, when I was playing in the in Diver Down. Uh, at some point I had a girlfriend that was a hairdresser and uh, she said, I'm going to make your hair spiky and blonde. And I said, I don't care. <laughs> so she did. That. And then the next day somebody said, Hey man, you look like Rod Stewart. And the next day somebody said, you look like Rod Stewart. And almost every day um, for years. Um, but it took me a couple months to say, well, why don't I do something about this? Cause I kind of knew about the tribute band world from playing drums and diver down. And um, so I started working on my voice a little bit. I got a good vocal teacher uh, named Mark Baxter. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a New England guy. He's up in uh, Revere. And he works with, uh, he has worked with over the years, um, Gary Sharon and Peter Wolf and Steven Tyler and wow. Johnny Resnick and, you know, a bunch of guys. They, wow, sounds like you're in good hands vocally anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> know, that's kind of, a, kind of a weird acronym, but I don't know. That's outstanding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gosh. So, yeah, that was a tremendous help, uh, finding him and working with him on the, on the vocal aspect of it. And then, you know, there's the whole uh, performance aspect and the visual aspect. And that's just, I mean, now, nowadays it's kind of easy to learn things easier than it was back 
in the 70s and 80s because everything is all over the web. You, you know, you right. YouTube for resources. Exactly. I have a, uh, I, I got a quick question for you about the, 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 the singing, like learning how to, like, I don't know if Rob does this too. Uh, I'm sure most of us do. Sing in the shower and then sing when you're alone in the car and you crank it. And I actually, it's funny, I actually entertain myself as far as, as far as, wow, I don't sound bad when I have the windows closed, the music cranked up all the way, and I can't, I can hardly hear my voice. I sound pretty good. There so, you go. <laughs> how did you, how did you like, because I know when you put, the way I do it. Yeah. So let's hear <laughs> Come on, everybody. We're going to jump in this giant big shower with me and I'm going to sing to you. Um, so do you like, uh, uh, as far as like practicing goes, it like, I'm, I, I dabbled in playing the drums for a while. Uh, for a few years, and I still tap on the steering wheel. I I always said if I if I have room or some extra cash, I'm buying another drum set, and I'm just gonna play yeah. along, play along with songs for fun because it's so much yeah. fun, right? But you can practice drums, you know, notes. You do the the, the the I think my first book was called Syncopation by um oh yeah um, Carmen Apice oh, Carmine or Carmen Apice Carmine, uh, Carmine had the Realistic Rock book okay. It's, was uh, oh, I want to say Ted Reed, but I don't think I'm right. Uh, you, a jazz you, thing, right? You sound more right than me, that's for sure. But <laughs> I just remember yeah. practicing, just you yeah. know, doing the, the the simple notes on the snare drum, and you know, you know, one and two and three and four and you know, and you have one e and a two e, and you're just tapping away. But uh, how do you do that vocally? Like when you're singing something, how do you how do you practice? You just sing, sing the same lyrics over and over and over again, or you do like you know do re mi, you know that kind of. Oh stuff? yeah, yeah, I hear you. What is it? Um, well, I kind of i I think I'm fortunate in the fact that I was a drummer first, and then I was a singer, so I had a lot of good practice habits established from playing the drums, and one of them is always warm up, right? And and I always change my warm up. Um, so, and I've, I've had the good fortune to have some good, te- many good teachers over the years. So, uh, they're always giving you something different. So that's what I would use as a warm up, just to get my hands going or get my, get my voice in shape. And then, um, most of my practice routine is usually working on a new song because I'm always working on something new. Like this week I'm working on people get ready from Rod Stewart, which I mean, I've been impersonating Rod Stewart since 2008, and I haven't learned people get ready yet. So I was like, ooh. And especially since Jeff Beck passed away this year, we're throwing a, a couple more Jeff Beck songs in this set. Huh. People Get Ready is one of them. And, uh, oh, that's great. Infatuation is another one. Uh, oh, in fact, that's so, a yeah, great song. That, and, and, and then I've always – people will disagree with me, but I think like tomorrow in Boston is the Boston Marathon. Um, and I think when you're doing these longer shows, it's kind of like running a marathon. You have to have some endurance and some stamina. So, um, after I do my new, learning a new song, then I'll like do like a make believe half set or a whole set, hmm. 30 minutes, 35 minutes, hour, whatever it is, just to see, can I make it? Where's, where are the, where are the songs that can coast a little bit? Where are the songs where I really need to think and get my breathing right and that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, that's that's what a practice session is like now for me. Holy smoke. See, I thought it was easy, like, driving in your car, just singing as loud as you could. Like, I get so red-faced, I, I think I'm about to pass out. Like, <laughs> <love rushes laughs> to my head. 
Like I'm like, we'll you know, I, I try to sing. Now tell me, Jay and Rob, I'm, Rob, are you familiar with Skid Row? I am Sebastian Bach, right? Lead singer. Yeah, there you go, Sebastian Bach. What I do for a warm up is that ending note of "I remember you." Wow, that's and your warm up. That's my warm up. You know, that's my for the gold. <laughs> yeah, I, I eat that shit for breakfast. You know what I'm saying? Man, it's all downhill from there. Yeah, it pretty much is because I can't talk for about a month after that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, that's uh, that's that's pretty cool that that you you know you have. I always wondered like what a singer does. That takes a lot out of you. I mean, like. But like no joke. I mean, obviously, I'm not a singer, but like I love to belt out tunes in my car. But it's just like, man, after like a tune or a tune and a half, I'm like, holy crap, I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, your stu- like your stomach, your diaphragm, that whole area. You know what I mean? What's your standing for all that time? I mean, right. Not to sound like an old man, but at my advanced age, I got to <laughs> I got to think about it. <laughs> out there with a walker and a wheelchair, right? <laughs> So um, yeah, what's that Rod Stewart song? If if you want my body, or if you think I'm sexy, or whatever. Try doing that in a walker, right? <laughs> oh boy, yeah. That, that wouldn't go. Uh, that wouldn't go over too well. No. But um, so you said so. Rod was the first one, and then along came. Oh yeah, uh, so Barry Manilow, right? Yeah, Manilow. Uh, like getting back to the story before, almost every day people would say, "Hey man, you look just like Rod Stewart." And I noticed when people would want to be mean spirited to me, they would say, Hey man, you look just like Barry Manilow. <laughs> and then I saw Manilow on one of the morning shows and I was like, damn, I do kind of look like that. <laughs> wow. So, uh, I started, I started working on that. I was like, well, why don't I see you what I can do with that? And Manilow's, uh, voice, his register is closer to mine. So it's, a uh, it's more of a, a match. Uh, oh, wow. A natural match. Yeah, um, no kidding. Yeah. So with Manilow, the thing I had to work on was my piano playing. Because, uh, I mean, I've always played a little bit of keyboards and throughout college. And when I was younger, my mom made me take organ lessons. But uh, I had, a, you know, I've been working on learning the Manilow stuff note for note, just like I worked on the Alex Van Halen stuff note for note. It's just, it's just time, you know. You got to put in the time. Wow! Holy smokes, Rob! You have a uh, a little bit of a funny thing. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I used to work. Manilow, at, I used right? to work in the. Uh, <laughs> I used to work in the food service side of the sports and entertainment business years ago, and I worked a Barry Manilow concert, and it was the best event ever. It was the easiest event I ever worked. I worked World Series, playoff games, concerts. You know, you two at down at Pro Player Stadium. That was like massive. Uh, the three tenors, I, I mean, the Stones down here in Memphis. I've worked uh, Aerosmith down here in Memphis. Barry Manilow was the by far, it was the easiest concert. We got out so early that night. It was the best event ever. We had teenagers up to 80 years old. It was it was like the most civilized concert I ever worked. So I thought that was uh, thought that was kind of neat. So um, he he I really had a young people out here uh, down here in Memphis when he came. So. You know, uh, Sean, you had talked about, you know, singing. I don't sing in the shower, but I sing in the car sometimes. If There's only three songs that I really love that I could sing. If is uh, Jamie's Crying, Enter Sandman, Metallica, and then you got Genesis, one of my favorite all-time, Jesus, He Knows Me, off their Can't Dance Out There. Oh, yeah. That song is just, that is like a most forgotten song of Genesis. I absolutely love that song. Just the way he plays, and you had talked about earlier about playing the drums and singing. 
I don't know if you've ever seen that Abacab video from the early 80s, and Phil Collins is just working those drums and singing. I, I, I was just like mesmerized how he could do that. I'd be banging it and hitting all this stuff, and I'd be, I'd be like hitting wrong things on the drums. But, yeah, I just, uh, those are the three th- songs that I like to uh, – Jesus, He Knows Me. That's a great song. I love that song. So um, every, every summer I pick a band that I don't know a lot about, and I just – whenever I go to the beach or whatever I'm doing, I just – I listen to every song in their catalog. And last summer was Genesis. Nice. Uh, yeah. No kidding. That's awesome. I, I mean, I learned a lot. I mean, I didn't know too much about the Peter Gabriel era. No. And then uh, – uh, I mean, there wasn't an album where I went, boy, that was a that was an afternoon wasted. They're all great, they're all, and they're very different too. But uh, that Jesus, what's it called? Jesus, G- he knows- G- Jesus, he knows me. It's a spoof of. It came oh. out in '93. It was all with the Jimmy Swagger, Jimmy Baker, you know, Jim Baker, and it's a spoof. Oh, yeah. And the video, go on YouTube. The video is just, ah, oh, it's just unbelievable. It's just they're making, they're making, they were making fun. He was making fun of. Uh, making lighter fun of, you know, all those evangelists, you know, in the early 90s who were, cat, you know, getting caught with strippers and stealing money oh, and all yeah. that thing. So I think that's what he was he was talking about. But that that's a great song. That album, like, is We Can't Dance, I Can't Dance. That's just awesome, awesome. Um, you yeah. can't go wrong with Genesis either. They, they're just like, man, they're just so awesome. I'd like to interject for a second about getting caught with strippers. It only happened once. I could explain it. So... I'm not going to do it now on the air, but you know, I'll tell you guys about it later. But uh, anyway, uh, wow. going back to, to drumming and singing, Jay, right? So I remember uh, watching you when you were with uh, Trash Broadway, I believe, right? At the uh, Contiki, uh, Contiki in Salisbury, Mass., which is now a parking lot, by the way. The Contiki is no the more. Contiki, but my goodness. Contiki, yeah, but that was a what a place to see see bands. I saw we saw a ton of bands there in the late '80s, early '90s, and. Uh, um, and you, Rob, you were talking about Genesis, singing Genesis songs, and Phil Collins, and somebody asked Phil Collins, they said, "Oh, so you're a you're you're a singer who plays a who, who plays the drums?" And Phil Collins said, "No, no, no, I'm a musician. I'm a drummer who can sing." There you so go. Jay, that's you too, man. You're always going to be a drummer, even if you don't want to be. You can't help but tap on stuff. I know, I know, I know, I know, because I have the same feeling, and I'm not a one hundredth of as good as you are. So I know oh. you still have that feeling. So I'm just throwing that out there. Well, you know, I've been toying with the idea of when I finally retire from my day job, which is teaching, uh, that maybe I'll have a little bit more time to play with and uh, maybe maybe pick up the drums again. Because it's, you know, it, it was always important to me and I still think about it and it wasn't time wasted because just having that rhythmic knowledge and know-how, you can apply it to anything you do in music. Um, and that, you know, to two different points in my life. I gave it up for different reasons, basically time reasons, but uh, I still think about it. I still think about, I still dream about it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to, like you said, someday reconnect with the drum set. Oh man. I, I, I actually just want to throw the headphones down right now and run out to a store and go buy a drum set. But I, I'm not <laughs> going to do that. I'm not going to do that. My wife will kill me. I don't have my drum, drum set. My <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. They're in storage. I still have them. Just oh, that's all. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, oh, good. Good deal. So Jay, you said you teach. Where do you teach? I uh, and uh, who do you teach? And uh, uh, how does that uh, come about? And uh, I'm interested to find out about that. How do you um, 
relate and teach uh, younger folks how to play instruments? How does that work? Yeah, I've been teaching in the Boston Public Schools for 28 years. Although I'm not doing it this week because this is our April vacation week. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Outstanding. Uh, Yeah. So uh, I teach... uh, I've had various um, assignments throughout the years, but this year it's been K through six at a school in East Boston. And I'm a more of a general music teacher this year where we, uh, um, we, uh, what do we do? We have a keyboard lab for the older kids from sixth grade down to about third grade is where it makes sense to them. Um, and, uh, we also do this thing, play these things called boom whackers, which are these tubes of various lengths. And when you hit them, it makes a note. So uh, we'll look at a screen and the kids each have one note and they have to hit their note at the right time, or, you know, or they make a mess out of the music. Um, Detention. So we'll, that's it. <laughs> <See me>? <laughs> <laughs> so we'll use that as a good way to, to plant the seeds in their head of how the music should go. And then we'll segue into the keyboard lab and they, and they work on that stuff. And uh, we have a blast. You know, we're, we're learning and having fun. So what about, um, what would you say is your favorite or you've had the most rewarding experiences, experience teaching kids, like what age group, like probably when they're a little older, cause they could, they could handle it and they get rhythm or they have this or they have that. So which, uh, yeah, you say I, it's been? I always find like around sixth graders to be the most fun because because that well, usually that's when we'll introduce them to uh, being allowed to play another instrument, like a band instrument, flute, trumpet, drums, clarinet, that kind of thing. Um, so I always like to see that, um, and then I I always tie in whatever songs were boom whacking and playing on the keyboard, or songs that they would also be playing on their instrument. So I'm always looking at how many different ways can I. Uh, get this information in their head. Hmm. Right. So you talked about, uh, as well, you, uh, you know, you do, um, impersonating, uh, Rod Stewart. So, uh, how was that? Uh, have you ever, uh, met Rod Stewart one? And have you ever had any, um, performances for anybody that, uh, is famous and, uh, what, uh, how fun is that to be doing that? And then if you did meet Rod Stewart, Oh yeah, I met Rod Stewart. Must have been about ten years ago, um, at a show he did in Boston at the Boston Garden, um, and I had a girlfriend at that time who was had a history in the model railroad business. Yeah, model railroad business, and that's one of Rod Stewart's favorite things to do is model railroading. So wow. when he's on, yeah, when he's on tour, he'll spend a whole day in his room just painting the little buildings that he'd use for his his model railroad set. And his model railroad set is, you know, the size of our house. <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's how I got backstage. And then uh, the real, the trick was then, well, what the heck am I going to say to Rod Stewart? Actually, today, I just saw a thing, tied this in the Van Halen a little bit, uh, this is just making the rounds today. They are asking Sammy Hager who he ever went like. Did he ever go fanboy on somebody? Was he ever 
starstruck by anybody. And he said, just one time. And you know who it was? Good old Roddy. He met him backstage. Huh. I think Sam was with Montrose at the time. This was, you know, back in the late 70s. And that's back when, you know, Rod the Bod was still, you know, rock star Rod before he turned into Gentleman Rod. And uh, Sammy was like, <laughs> Sammy had like the same experience. What the heck am I going to say to Rod Stewart? So, so Sammy skedaddled out of there. So he didn't look like a fool. But I was like, okay, this, you know, this is my moment. I gotta, I gotta make this work. Um, so uh, around that time when I met him, the faces were talking about getting back together with the guys that were still alive. Um, so that was something topical we could talk about. And then somebody threw him a camera. Uh, threw, uh, somebody held up a camera and said, take a picture, you guys. And when we were doing it, Rod was making all these weird noises in my ear. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so then he, he took a picture and Rod's going, show him, show him. And they showed me the picture and Rod was faking it like he was kissing me. So I have, I always have that picture. It turned out great. Well, he could have just, you know, I think that's awesome that he took the, the time to, to spend with you, number one. And number two, a lot of people you see after shows, I mean, artists want to get out of there and they got security and all all this, you know, you know, convoys or whatever you call it, getting them out of there. So I thought that was, uh, thought that was nice well, that he did before, that. This was before the show. We caught him just before the show, five minutes before the show. We were convinced that it wasn't going to happen. It was me and my girlfriend and wow. Carter Allen, who's a DJ in Boston, and his girlfriend. And we were just, this isn't going to happen. <laughs> and they say, are you ready? Here he comes. And, you know, like Sammy said, larger than life and full of charisma and just, holy, like, it's Rod F. and Stewart right there. Whoa. Um, so the whole encounter lasted probably three or four minutes, and then, boom, he hits the stage. Wow. wow, that's cool. That would have been nice if he asked you to come up and uh, perform with him a little bit, you know? You guys set up on opposite sides of the stage, you know, the lights go out on him and all something pop up and they're like, how did he get over there so fast? Dueling rides, oh my God. <laughs> that would have been, been way cool. Yeah. So would you say, Jay, would you say it's safe to say, and Rob, you had a, uh, talking about Barry Manilow before, Getting back to that, when you said it was the easiest concert, it was the, the most calm. There was no, you know, you had like teenagers from, you know, 13, 14 year olds all the way up to 80 year old uh, women. And you're not going to see a lot of probably shirts going up from women at a Barry Manilow concert, but at a Rod Stewart concert, you probably would. So there's a, uh, a nice little difference for you there, probably. Oh, yeah. I kind of think of those guys as the angel and the devil, two different. Sitting on your shoulders, yeah, yeah. <laughs> two little, yeah, two little mini me's, one on each shoulder. Go, you know, Barry Mendel's going, Jay, don't, don't, don't say that to her. And Rod's going, go on, Jay, say it, say right. it, Jay. Just say well, it. you know, you don't go get in trouble. Don't knock Barry Manilow. He was he was uh, massive, massively popular in the seventies. Massive. I mean, you can't even. You can't even oh, put yeah. into words how how massively popular he was in the seventies. Well, he it writes after, the songs that makes the whole world sing. You know what I'm saying? Am I right? Hit after hit after hit for a while right. there. Yeah. Rob, did you did your mom or your parents? Did my mom played Barry Manilow albums all the time? We had eight track cassettes. Uh, Father was a big Neil Diamond fan. 
Uh, my mother was a big Bee Gees fan. And also Engelbert Hupperding. I remember seeing those 8-track cassettes at my house. I remember seeing those 8-track cassettes. Neil Diamond was huge in my house growing up. Right. Barry Manilow all the time, you know. Can't smile without you, you know. You got the Copa, Copa Cabana, all that stuff. And first of all, now I'm going to be singing Barry Manilow when we get done with this, and I'm going to be thinking about the rhythm and the drums to uh, Abacab because I can't get that out of my head either. So, oh, watch it on YouTube. I'm serious. Watch it on YouTube. It is is incredible. It's mesmerizing to watch just for about four yeah, minutes. I remember the video. I remember him, you know, pounding on the drums. And well, singing. the video is cool because you watch the video and then. They like uh, beam up Tony Banks, Mike Rutherford, and then uh, Phil Collins on the drums. It's pretty cool how they do that, and uh, I think they're an under under appreciated band. I think in the rock sense, just my opinion. I know they're vastly popular, but um, underrated. Yeah. I think. Oh, okay. Getting into uh, so Barry Manilow, Rod Stewart, Barry Manilow, and you have a third now, Jay. Right, Eddie Money. Eddie Money, yeah. Uh, how, how did you come across you're looking for a third one or another one go i think i'll try any money do you just throw it at a dartboard and pick somebody or is it just he I, kinda, was, I can kind of sound like him or i was sound checking one day for a gig and some and some guy came up to me and said hey man you sound like eddie money and i was like no i don't sound like eddie money he said no really you should do eddie money and i was like huh. well no because he's really not the same iconic status as rod stewart and barry manilow and blah 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 and then a couple months later, I was re- rehearsing, practicing, and I was having a little bit of a rough day, a little bit of a sore throat or something, and I was straining a little bit, and I was like, I sound, I don't sound like Barry Manilow, or yeah, I was working on Manilow that day. I don't sound like Manilow, but who is it? It's like, oh, I do sound like Eddie Money. I can't sound like Eddie Money. <laughs> so, and this was during the uh, the pandemic, so that became my one of my uh, projects was learning Eddie Money songs during the pandemic uh, so that when the, you know, we were free to move about the country again, I started uh, working him into the shows. Hmm. Now, Rob, you had a question earlier um, about, uh, did he meet anyone? Did you ever perform for anybody famous or like a celebrity, like do any person, any of your impersonating for a celebrity? Oh, I, I bypassed that. My bad. No, no uh, yeah, just the last gig I just did was down in um, Manhattan and it was for Ray Romano's wife. Ray Romano had a TV series called everybody loves Raymond mm-hmm. and uh, love that wanted, show. He wanted Rod Stewart to come and sing two songs to his wife. So that's what he got. Oh, that's almost what he got. <laughs> as, as Ray put it, Rod would have charged him a million dollars. So I saved him nine hundred and ninety blah 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 thousand dollars. I gotta tell you how much he paid, but he paid very handsomely and tipped very well too. Very nice guy. Wow, That's awesome! What were what were the two songs? I, I guess. I want to say, was it? If you think I'm sexy, probably correct. It's got to be an old old. Uh, uh, not you're in my heart. Hot legs. Are you guys, are you guys close? Oh, uh, 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 it's a girl's oh, name. Uh, the girl's name. That girl. Uh, Maggie May. Yeah, we got, got it. it. Maggie. Hey. May. Yep, you got it. Just that was it. Plus, happy birthday. But happy birthday, everybody gets happy birthday. Right. 
Yeah, do you think I'm sexy? And Maggie May. Thank you very much. Good night. I'm driving back to Boston. No kidding. Wow. That must be that must be wild. You just you know, you now did they have a a band there or did you do because you do it with a, a like a live band and sometimes you have like what is it a music box or something that you sing with too or yeah, backing tracks. I mean now you right. can do the whole show from your phone. Uh, you just have your your songs in there the backing tracks in your, in iTunes or whatever we're calling iTunes now. Um, and, uh, yeah, a lot of my work is with backing tracks. Um, not everybody can afford the band or has space for a band. Um, so that's a, that's an option that I present everybody with. Oh, holy smokes. That's pretty cool. So what about, uh, so how often do you, would you say you practice, with the with the whole band and do they do other obviously they do other things as well they probably have jobs and they full-time jobs and they they do other music probably too right oh yeah uh they're a band that specializes in uh backing vocalists um and i had been aware of them for a bunch of years and i thought we would be a great fit so i presented my case and they shot me down immediately and then a year later i I'm persistent, if anything. And then a year later, yeah. I came back to them and presented my case again, and they shot me down dismissively. <laughs> wow. And, and then this last year, about a year, less than Those a year. bastards. All right? I was like, I I just, I wasn't going to take no for an answer. Let's, let's get together and check it out. So we did, and it was awesome. Um, but yeah, they, uh, they back up, uh, a bunch of other singers and one of them is a kid that was on one of the singing competition TV shows, like the voice or something. I think the voice and his name is Billy Gilman, who's a country artist. He had a hit when he was 12 years old. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. I, I went down to check out, he did a Christmas show down in Rhode Island. So went down with, with my backing singers just for a night out. And, uh, oh, my God, this guy can sing. Wow. Yeah, sings like a bird. Um, so he keeps my guys busy when I'm not working with them. Um, we get together about once a month. Like I said, we're adding some new songs, the Jeff Beck stuff. And, uh, yeah, I think that's where we're at with that now. Well, that's fantastic. That, yeah. yeah. I mean, and what fun to uh, – I actually met uh, – a guy who was a studio musician. Um, I d don't recall what instruments he played, but he recorded on a lot of famous solo albums, solo artist albums or whatever. And wow. uh, he was able to retire uh, a very, very, very long time ago and, and moved down. He moved down south somewhere. But uh, wow. yeah, I just remember he owned a little uh, framing, like art framing shop at a, like a garage out of his house in, in Londonderry, New Hampshire, of all places. Right. He was a studio musician. That's how he made all you know a, a ton of his money. And then he just after that, you know, you got the what do they call it? The uh, not the incentives, the uh, royalties or whatever it is. You yeah, know. sure. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, <laughs> you know, from 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 doing that, so that's got to be that's got to be satisfying as well. I would think. Yeah, it sounds like he had a nice life. I mean, studio musician that almost doesn't exist anymore with all the computer generated stuff and the you know AI. Right. <laughs> it's all computers now. Yeah, but that's not fun. We got to watch out because Greg Hill from the Greg Hill Show on uh, WEI in Boston, he's right. They're, we're all worried about the robot uprising. You're, he's, he's been talking about that for years. I know. 
I know. Rob, what do you think? You think we should be uh, wary of robots and AI and all that? And yeah, uh, and I think Alexa. It, it's starting to it's starting to hit the mainstream news now. So I think you're going to start seeing them. Um, uh, I mean, what do they that thing called deep fake? There's something called deep fake. You can fake somebody, a uh, famous person or anybody. You just get their oh, voice. Yeah. You get their voice for about a few minutes. I've seen stories on it. And there's a lot of deep fakes out there with like Tom Cruise. Um, you'll see on there, uh, if you just YouTube deep fake, deep fake Tom Cruise. Yeah. I think we need to be worried about it. Well, that's yeah. why I'm glad. That's why I'm glad I'm not famous. That's why I'm glad. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm going to stay infamous instead of famous. So this morning I heard an interview on the radio where, uh, it was GPT chat and GPT chat can't speak. It only types the stuff out. So they had another program that would read the stuff that the chat said. So the interview was a, was a humanoid talking to GPT chat. And then the other thing would answer him. So it was, it was the first interview that this radio station ever did in 20 years where there were, where they weren't talking to a human. So we're there already. You know what stinks is we're all going to be unemployed. The robots are going to have all the money and we're going to be collecting welfare and, you know, you know, some TV stations don't even have camera camera people anymore. They have uh, it's all done robotically. They don't have people in the studio for their news anchors. That uh, it, uh, it's huge. It's, it's huge. That's the, not even fun. The radio indu- fun. the the radio industry is is shrinking by the year. Just you know, terrestrial radio, not satellite. Well, I think I'm saying right. terrestrial radio is not sounding right. I mean, but uh, normal radio out there, it's 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 a dying it's a dying industry right now. What about UPS? How are they doing? Oh man, I don't know. I think uh, uh, hopefully they don't. Some, hopefully UPS doesn't invent the you know, the beaming system that they used in Star Trek because then you could just beam packages <laughs> to people. Then we'd all be in trouble. You know what I mean? Or aren't they going to drone them to us at some point? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't buy that. I saw I actually saw a video of a UPS driver. This girl pulled over on some rural side road and uh-huh. puts a package in this basket at the top of the package car and hooks it up to the drone and then closes the little latch and then all of a sudden the drone flies out of the top of the truck and she's sitting there waiting for the thing to come back. I mean, I could have done probably 20 stops gotcha. in the time that the thing flew off to go do whatever. So as far as I'm concerned, we're I'm irreplaceable. All right, John Henry, man versus the machine. I like it. That's it. Rob, you want to get into uh, – um, there's something, uh, Jay, that uh, you uh, you were involved with, or you you witnessed firsthand. Um, the uh, you were there for this uh, the station uh, nightclub back in, uh, in in Rhode Island. And uh, Rob, if you want to, uh, I know yeah, you want Jay. To so what what was that, that night like? Um, uh, you know, hundred people were killed and hundreds injured, and I know uh, you were there that night. So um, what was that? What was that night like when you were there? I mean, that must have been horrific, one. And number two, um, where were you inside the station nightclub when, when things started going, you know, very, very bad? Yeah, that was uh, 20 years ago in February. Um, and that was, uh, I think it was a Thursday night. And that was during what we have up here in New England, which is February vacation. Uh, so Thursday night, great white at the station, which was a club that I was very familiar with because Diver Down played there 
frequently. I think we even played there about a month before that all went down. Um, so yeah, I got, went there with some friends. Uh, there were five of us. Uh, we went out to dinner, dinner first and got to the, uh, station kind of late, just enough time to order some drinks, turned around, the band was playing. And, uh, first thing I saw was just the, the most amazing stage effect ever because it looked like the stage was on fire. And I was just taking that in and trying to figure out how do they even do that? And as that thought process is going on in my head, uh, the people that are standing in front of me, who were hundreds of people standing in front of me, uh, all started turning around and people were saying, get out. And there was already smoke billowing at that point and the alarms in the building went off, the sound alarms. Um, and thank God I was probably 15 feet from the front door that I just walked in. So I just shuffled out with the crowd into the parking lot and uh, had no idea that things were as you know horrific, as you said, as they were. But uh, as the night unfolded, we learned more and more about what went on. And uh, yeah, uh, they set up a triage unit across the street from the station in a, re- in a restaurant, I think. And uh, we went in there because we were still waiting on two of the people we went in with and uh, they never came out, unfortunately. Mm. So, yeah. Holy smokes. I, uh, even, even hearing you just say that, I I mean, I close my eyes and I'm just listening to you and it, uh, that's, uh, that's amazing. And like, it's gotta be surreal and probably one of those things and something, thank God. I mean, I've never experienced something like that, but, like anything, any kind of tragedy or the loss of someone, like a loved one or whatever. You go to bed at night, you wake up, and you're like, you think you forgot about it or it didn't happen, and then boom, all of a sudden you think about it, and it did happen. You know? Yeah. yeah. So what uh, happened today? You know how when you play Spotify, when you're done listening to whatever you wanted to listen to, it'll start playing other songs? Right. So I listened to uh, what I listened to the new Kiss the new Kiss off the board album the, the new Kiss live album, and then after that was done, it played Desert Moon from Great White, which is the song they were playing when all this went down. Mm-hmm. You're kidding! Oh, so I was like, what? You know, it just makes me stop and think. Uh, you know, think of my the friends that uh, that I lost and uh, all that. Mm. Do you? Do you ever, like, I hope I'm asking this the right way, but do you ever, like, think sometimes, why did I get out and they didn't, or for anybody, or are you just, hey, sure. um, yeah. Yeah. And, not, you know, I don't think there's really any rhyme or reason to it. Um, I, I, I don't know what to say about that. Mm. Yeah. And that was, that was 20 years ago. And what made... When I, I I told you this before we we started recording and before we talked the first time, um, I saw a post you did on Facebook, and it was yeah 20 years ago and it was about the station, club fire nightclub fire, right. It was a picture of you it was on your Facebook page, and that's when I saw the little inset of a picture of you drumming for Diver Down, 
in that same picture. And you said 20 years ago today, remembering, you know, the friends and, and this, and, uh, I think on your shoulder, it looked like a handprint, like a white chalky kind of handprint. And you commented something about is the angel on my shoulder, like pushing me out or saying, Hey, get out of here or something like that. Yeah. My guardian angel. I do believe in that for sure. You can kind of see the hand, you can kind of see the face and I kind of think I know who it is too. Oh, but we, we, let's, uh, that's up to you if you want to reveal who that is, but that's one of those things that let's just keep it to myself. Yeah. <laughs> keep it to myself. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I believe in that's guardian it. angels as well. There is some, there's something to be said about that. There is a time and a place for it. And when it happens, you know, what happens and, and I've had a few in my life, so I know, I know the, the feeling of it. So, um, it was a tragic night and, uh, I mean, there's nothing more that can be said, and um, I really appreciate uh, the fact that you were able to talk about it, Jay. Oh, sure, yeah. Count your blessings every day and every night. Every day's a gift. You could exactly, and you could almost look at it like you know, you sing and you perform, and you you entertain people. You provide, you know, people are happy to see what you do. You know what I mean? When you go out and see a live band, like I said earlier, anyone that gets up on stage and, and can sing, play an instrument, you appreciate it. You, you know, you can make somebody's night or make somebody's day. You know what I mean? So for you to continue to do that, maybe you're doing that for the people that are lost too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's a, that's a nice thought. But, um, you know, we can definitely, uh, we, we definitely got to close it on, on the brightest of bright notes. And, uh, let's get back into, uh, um, your job uh, now, I mean, you're still teaching with Boston Public Schools, but also uh, Jay Gates Impersonates is the name of your business, correct? Your side business? That is my side hustle, yes. Jay Gates Impersonates.com. So all, your- all someone has to do is go to Jay Gates Impersonates.com and they can find out how to book you for a gig, song, concert, anything, correct? That's to find out where we're at. Yeah. All right. Outstanding. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, Jay, I want to thank you for coming back. I know, uh, I think it was on March 19th, we were uh, taping and uh, I sat, my microphone was on, but for some reason you got you both on, um, from my end, I kind of had a wrong level and you guys were sound like you were both in talking in cans and uh, Sean said, that sounds awful. We need to do it again. So I appreciate you coming back uh, to do this. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope you would come back, maybe talk some more music down the road with us. Absolutely, yeah, this has been fun.